righty, here we are. <clears throat> Derek Roush with Catholic Beer Club. I have my co-host, Chris Baker, Director of Operations for ID916. Chris, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing well. Doing very well. Good deal. Good deal. Well, here we are, first one. Uh, I know we've got oh, a handful of things we wanted to talk about today. Uh, a lot of why, really, why you and I are, are jumping on a podcast like this. Uh, and, and, and why for the specific content we want to cover. But I figured it'd be worthwhile doing a quick introduction to what is the podcast. Uh, so really our intention is this is a, we're hoping this will be a conversation starter for Catholic young adults, uh, especially in the United States. We've got Catholic Beer Club, uh, chapters all over the country, young adults showing up at those events, ID916, vibrant young adult ministry uh, around the country. And kind of two main ideas uh, we, we want to talk about that, Chris, you and I, I think, agree really impacts those groups is first, uh, we think it's important to talk about really the hard topic, but the bleak state of affairs in the church, uh, especially some statistics recently with belief in the Eucharist, uh, kind of some population statistics that have been floating around for a while, uh, but may not be super well known. And effectively, I, I've been in the opinion for a long time, just looking at how the church is portrayed as the second largest religion in the United States, but it's really not. Effectively, we're, we're kind of a minority religion, uh, and, and, and we'll talk some more about that. Uh, but, but also, all of that, of course, in the light of that Christ is our hope, uh, he, is our, he is our salvation, uh, and, and that should not cause us to, to despair, but it's something we think it's important to talk about and, and not talked about enough today. Uh, and second... Uh, how we can respond to that through apostolates, especially chapter-based apostolates like ours, um, and, and really localize that on uh, just a per-city basis where we're not talking to, all right, you 100,000 people, go do this thing. Uh, it's, okay, how can 50 people make a difference in their city? Um, and so we're going to talk about how to mobilize a, a successful apostolate, uh, avoid some of the traps, um, and, and lean on some resources from some individuals individual smarter than us. Um, so I'll let that suffice for an introduction. Chris, why are we doing this? <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, obviously, there are a lot of different reasons or ways you could get here. Um, but I'll kind of go back to the McCarrick scandal about a little over a year ago and just kind of talk about where I've come since then, and then I'll kind of pass it to you. But, I mean, essentially up to that point, I think, at least for me, um, where I was in terms of my understanding and, and practicing of the Catholic faith was uh, just what I would say, you know, very devout Catholic. Um, I was going to Mass. I was uh, always striving to pray daily. I was... Um, Try, I, I trusted entirely <clears throat> in anyone who had a collar, you know, uh, a priest, bishop, cardinal, especially the pope. Um, I entirely trusted them, like almost like blindly trusting them at that point, um, just because, you know, that's the way we're raised to, to believe that, to uh, look at them as, you know, uh, in persona Christi in the sacraments, and then um, we assume that they're all just very holy men, 
and that um, we can learn a lot from any given one. Uh, and so that was kind of the way I was living my life, my Catholic faith. Um, and then when the McCarrick scandal did come out, and so did the Pennsylvania uh, grand jury report, it uh, it kind of started to rock some of that in the sense that all of a sudden there was an untrustworthy cardinal, you know, or there's all these untrustworthy clerics. Right. And so, I mean, with that, what I really saw was just that um, all of a sudden I had to be more questioning. I had to uh, know my faith deeper. I had to um, dive in more and more into what clerics are allowed to say um, in terms of, you know, when we, must listen to them and and when it's just like their opinion that they're sharing um and to really be able to discern that and whether or not that fits into the context of what the church has taught for the last 2000 years and so um within that my journey has kind of looked like deepening my my personal faith um both in prayer and in uh, intellectually trying to dive into what the church does teach um so that i know that um, when I'm listening to a homily at Sunday Mass or I'm listening to, uh, you know, something that uh, a bishop or cardinal puts out or reading something they put out, that I can read that with a discerning heart. And like with every bit of my heart, I want to trust what they are saying and I want to be shepherded by them. And obviously uh, we trust that God is guiding his church uh, first and foremost. Um, But to also know that there might be moments when they say something that's not entirely true church teaching. And I need to be able to know that and not be led astray by right. that. Right. Right. I think that's good. And, and important to highlight like you did so well, there's positive fruits that came from following what happened in Pennsylvania following what happened in McCarrick. I, I think there's a lot of people that avoid it um, out of a sense of it, it disturbs my peace um, or, or something like that. But I think there's a lot of positive fruits to be had um, by actually looking at it. Um, but that's hard to do alone. And that's, I mean, that's, that's a big reason why we want to talk about it. Hey, let's make this normal to talk about it. I think you and I have both found struggles uh, just in the cities we're in and elsewhere. Wow, nobody talked about this. Even when the earthquake, earthquake was going off, uh, let alone even the aftershocks that, that we're still, still feeling and, and potentially earthquakes in the future um so i think that's really good what i wanted to uh to point on though is uh for those that don't really know these statistics start with responding my comment from the introduction a little bit saying the catholic church catholicism in the united states is a minority religion uh so here we go population uh 2018 was 327.8 million chris today today um, and these numbers fluctuate a little bit, so we can say oh, it's a little higher, oh, it's a little lower. Uh, but 76 million people in this country uh, would call themselves Catholic. That's 23 percent of the population. Not bad. Um, not great. 23 um, <laughs> percent is not where you want to be. Uh, but <laughs> but that's a big group of people uh, to influence a situation. Uh, but the bishops release numbers every year. Um, you can kind of look online and find uh, r- reports. Typically, it costs money to get the reports, but uh, finding articles online, uh, I was surprised to find, Chris, 
one in five Catholics, one in five of those 76 million people goes to mass weekly, which is, it's crazy. It blows my mind. That's 15 million people. <laughs> and then take on top of that, uh, Pew Research uh, brought, brought their uh, statistics out. They did a study and found that, what is it, 64% of weekly mass going Catholics. So people in the pew every week that we see, 64% believe in the true presence. So one third does not. That, that knocks us down to 10 million Catholics in the United States go to Mass weekly and believe the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ is present in that host in the Eucharist. That's 3% of this country. That, it, it, I have a hard time understanding how do we get to incredibly optimistic view of current state in the church. There's lots of things to be hopeful for in the future, and we have infinite hope in Christ. Um, but at the end of the day, I think it's really important to look at where is the church at today. Um, and I think that's, that's one of the things that's, that's helped me. But uh, you mentioned Pennsylvania and McCarrick uh, and really Vigano um, has been uh, – uh, his messages have been – I found them very hopeful, uh, very, very hopeful. Um, and you talked about the big change for you was priests um, or, or, or a bishop or a cardinal. It's like, wow, maybe I can't trust everything I hear, which is <laughs> that's hard, Chris. <laughs> that's a tough pill to swallow. Um, mm -hmm. But <clears throat> like Galatians chapter one, uh, I'll do six through eight. Um, St. Paul's talking about, uh, he says, I am amazed that you were so quickly forsaking the one who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel. Not that there is another, but there are some who are disturbing you and wish to pervert the gospel of Christ. And then he says, here's a punchline, but even if we, as in Paul, if Paul himself comes back, if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel other than the one that we preach to you, let that one be accursed. It's like, mm. wow. It's like St. Paul had a lot of foresight. Um, We've had, <clears throat> we had the heresy of Arianism. We've had, um, we have Protestantism. We, there's lots of false gospels <laughs> in the world today. Um, St. Paul is a prophet here, uh, equipping us and, and trying to give us the strength to resist uh, believing something to be church teaching that is not. Uh, and I think for me, Chris, what, the real why for me was it got personal. Um, Pennsylvania and McCarrick, uh, Vigano, I saw those things and responded very similarly to you. It was a spark for my faith. It made me grow. I was like, wow. It's like, I've been missing out. <laughs> There's some things I didn't know about um, that just aren't taught today. And as I looked a little closer in and took more ownership in it, this is, this is awesome. Um, but the just what 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 it got personal. Sorry, that's where it was. I lost my train of thought for a second. Um, Chris, I've talked to people I know personally that have been misled by statements of their bishop, by statements of their priests, um, and very painful to say, statements of the pope. 
And mm-hmm. I, that's, that's the big why for me, why we have to talk about this. Because if, if you're ignoring uh, articles out there, LifeSite News does a good job. Uh, if you're not looking at what happened in Pennsylvania, what happened with McCarrick, if you're not reading those letters from Vigano, uh, if you're not paying attention, uh, you might end up believing something to be church teaching that that's not. Uh, and I think for you and I, um, I, I certainly look at uh, the, the Catholic beer club community here and the, the Catholic young adult community as a whole. And I, I go, we should talk about this. Um, it's, it's easy to ignore until it's personal. And <laughs> for me, I've had people that have been misled. Um, and so I, I think we need to talk about it. Yeah, absolutely agree. And I, I just a quick point on the Vigano letters. <clears throat> I really think um, that was such a, a blessing and, and um, maybe even just a way that God was uh, kind of calling to all those who are listening uh, in the midst of this for some type of consistency, some type of clarity in the the message the church is giving. Because I mean, when you read the Vigano letters, um, obviously, there's all the stuff that he points out that other bishops and, and whatnot are, are doing, but there's the hope, like you mentioned, uh, the way he talks about it, um, and even just like calling people essentially to conversion, <laughs> uh, to deeper conversion, to follow the church teaching, to, you know, essentially repent and believe the gospel, um, and, and calling for that boldly. Um, that was definitely has sort of been an anchor, I guess you could call it, uh, throughout all of this, because whenever his letters come out, um, and then even other cardinals or bishops that have spoken out, like, you know, Bishop Athanasius Schneider or um, Cardinal Burke, just like guys like that, really holy men that are willing to step up and say something, um, have really been an anchor to everything, because it does provide that hope that, God does still have men that are in his service fully and, and they are willing to step out boldly and say something, say the truth. Um, and that we can trust and follow them because they are preaching the gospel, you know, the gospel truth of Jesus Christ. So, so Chris, what would we say to people that we kind of shared our background there, but uh, let's play devil's advocate for ourselves a little bit. What if people go, uh, we'll use life site news. You guys listen to LifeSite News? Like, that's just sensationalism. Uh, they draw everything out of proportion. Uh, and, and you really shouldn't listen too much to this church corruption stuff. The church has always been, this is my favorite argument, Chris. The church has always had corrupt people. Look at Judas. Um, and why, how, how, would we, how would we respond to that? Should we just put our heads in the ground, don't look at anything LifeSite News or others put out? What, what, do you, what do you think? What would you say to somebody if they... Uh, responded to the podcast with a, a comment like that. Well, uh, what I what I say to people all the time when they bring up something about LifeSite um, is pre McCarrick and all that breaking. Um, I could have gotten on board with that, or at least seen their point of view and been like, "Well, okay, <laughs> you know, maybe you're right," because there was no uh, hard evidence coming out like the Pennsylvania grand jury report or the stuff around McCarrick that had really any um, significant um, it it wasn't significant evidence and so but now 
if you look at everything that LifeSite has been saying all along, you realize it's actually all been true. And so before, when we don't want to believe that, it seems like, and we'll write it off as sensationalism, because that seems just too crazy for our church to have and be going on in our church. Um, unfortunately, it is. And so LifeSite seems to be, for the most part, uh, pretty balanced and to be reporting on things with evidence and and just kind of calling out the things that need to be changed in the church. And so I would say that's not sensationalism. That's that's reality. Uh, and then the other thing uh, about Judas, you know, like we've we've had Christian in the church since day one, basically with Judas. Um, I, I would say, yes, we have. Right. You know, he would he was a bishop. <laughs> right. And and so we've seen this church corruption since day one. And we've seen it all throughout the church. Um, and so there therein lies the hope as well in that we know we have the promise of Christ in Scripture that the gates of hell will not prevail against Christ's church, that we'll, he will right. not prevail against the Catholic Church. And so right. there's hope in that, even with corrupt bishops, that God and the Holy Spirit are guiding this church to himself, to heaven, eternity with him. Awesome. Awesome. I always come back to, <clears throat> so like Arius, uh, Arianism. So if we, like people say, oh, there's always been problems in the church uh, as a, a, an argument to not talk about it, uh, that just as a criticism to anybody that talks about it really dies in. It's like, we can't, don't talk about that. It's like, that's like in Arianism, Chris, uh, the, the, this is going everywhere. You have all these people uh, believing that uh, Christ was not divine um, and then the many different forms that heresy took. And then right. someone's like, uh, starts writing letters like, hey, this Arius guy, he's kind of a problem. He's where a lot of this stuff uh, comes from. Or this is a problem. Like, hey, no, don't talk about that. <laughs> that's that that's sensationalism. We can't talk about it. No, that doesn't make any sense at all. Um, and so I think the same thing today. Um, and I think that's why it's important really to it's not fun, but look at the bleak view. There's 10 million people. Um, we say 76, um, but you take just two tenants, not even all of them, Chris. We could take a bleaker outlook, uh, but like I said, you could take a more optimistic one as, as well um, so we don't spend too much time on, on the statistics. But 3% of this country, 10 million people, are weekly mass-going Catholics that believe in the true presence. Um, and so – if that's where it's at, we have to ask the question, okay, well, has it been like that for the last, was it, was it that way 200 years ago? Was it that way a hundred years ago? Was it that bad? Do, do we have uh, statistics and stuff to show us that? No. Um, but you, you'd have to convince me really, really, really well um, and, and have some substantial arguments to convince me it was anywhere close to this bad. Um, I, I, I just, I can't, I can't get on board with that, which means I think it's worthwhile talking about the areas of our age, um, and, and, and the problems, uh, that the Arianism of our age, where is this coming from? Why is this a problem? Uh, cause it, it's hard to like a doctor, he, he can't heal you if he, if he doesn't know what the sickness is. Mm. Yep. Exactly. Chris, yeah. speaking about heresy, um, with Mary, one of her titles is uh, Destroyer of All Heresy, which is, I just thought, really cool and definitely been a, or played a part in my devotion to her 
just ever deepening so that she might help us in all of this. Amen. And that was, that was the next place I was going to go. I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, we can't talk about any of this stuff without Mary. Uh, I, I think you and I are on, on team Mary. Uh, I know we are, uh, pray the rosary every day. Why, why, why do we pray the rosary every day, Chris? Why, why should everybody pray the rosary every day? And why are you not on the team if you're not praying the rosary every day? Yeah. I mean, um, if you think about what the rosary is, meditating on the life of Christ, uh, we should be doing that every day as Christians, um, but especially as Catholics coming under the patronage of Mary. Um, there's so many saints, so many holy, holy saints who have um, just completely devoted their their whole life to um, Christ through Mary and the way that she protects and guides you to her son, uh, which is her primary role, right? Is a mediator, mediatrix. Um, and just the, the, she who is full of grace can more fully pull out, pour out those graces on us uh, when we're asking for them. So uh, obviously we should be thinking about Christ and what he did for us every day uh, so that we're constantly grateful and can be conforming our lives to his. Um, but then we need the person that, um, the person that he loves um, so much to be guiding us to him and helping us to love him better. So right. I think it's just, it's absolutely necessary. Right. Right. <clears throat> we also talk about the rosary as a weapon. Uh, so I think sometimes the analogy of, of warfare, uh, we're, we're at war. Sometimes uh, I think that one can get dismissed as sensationalism as well. Um, but, but like we started with Christ is our hope. Uh, yes, because this is not just uh a, a struggle of this world. Uh, and and St. Paul says that like our, our ultimate struggles against the principalities, uh, the, just the demons, the, the evil spiritual forces working against us. If there is uh, bad things going on in the church, if there's uh, prelates saying things contrary to church teaching, and if there's uh, a hierarchy that's not correcting things uh, at the end of the day, uh, the, the true mastermind is, is the enemy. Uh, and, and, and we have the rosary as the remedy for that, uh, as the weapon. Uh, my, my favorite, my favorite way to describe that is, is Padre Pio, Chris, um, suffering soul stigmata. Um, and just, I, I'd love to meet Padre Pio, which can't happen <laughs> at this point. <laughs> um, unfortunately, uh, at, at least not, not in this life, but very, very much hopefully in the next, uh, but the rosary uh, is the weapon. So Padre Pio, he'd say all 15 uh, decades of the rosary every day. And uh, he, like, if he, if he didn't have his rosary right by him or like he, especially as he was, had a stigmata or was more frail, couldn't move. He'd say, where's, where's my weapon? Bring me my weapon. Um, <laughs> it's just, just so cool. So, so cool. Um, just very much, very much in tune, very much a warrior in the spiritual life. And I think a good example for all of us, uh, to, to pick up our, our weapon and have uh, great faith in that. I know I've noticed, and Chris, I'd be curious to hear from you as well. Um, one of the, one of the fruits of saying the rosary every day is signal graces. Um, and so it's, it's, you don't say the rosary because you want to see the signal grace. It's not about, I'm going to do this so I can get some consolation out of it. Or I call them spiritual gummy bears. Um, that's, <laughs> I think sometimes we praise, Oh, that was really good. I want another one. Uh, 
which is is not the point um but the the rosary i've i've noticed chris it's it's easy to see and it's been very encouraging i'm very grateful for the consolations that have been given to me but i see it in my family life i see it myself i see it in uh fruitfulness of apostolate and good works and and ideas and just my own faith life praying the rosary every day um but also just Im- improvement locally um though i'm very thankful not to have not to live in in a diocese um or in a parish where there's problematic things, like a lot of the things we see in the news on, on wife site. Um, but, but, but even just little things, like it's been amazing to see, wow, the rosary has an amazing impact. Um, I, I, I can just tell that that's a part of what's loosening up, not just my rosary, but the rosaries of, of everyone everywhere, but especially kind of in the local areas where they're at, it's such a powerful, powerful weapon. Um, is that, have you, have you had similar experiences, Chris? Yeah. I, I definitely have, um, just even in noticing daily, daily routines of, uh, in relationships, uh, both at work and at home, uh, the way the graces that I have to, um, love people better than I could on my own, um, are just very, very much there. Um, and then even, even with extended family um, that I don't see every day uh, in friends um, kind of more openness, I would say even to the Catholic faith or just a faith conversation uh, sometimes. And so, I, I mean, what I, what I look at that as is, you know, we're all in a spiritual battle and if you don't know we're in a spiritual battle, here is your friendly reminder. We are in a spiritual battle and it's raging all around us. And there are um, demons that want to take us down just as much as there are angels that want to help us get to God. Um, And if we don't know that, we really need to uh, start looking into that more and ask the Holy Spirit to um, help us to see those realities or, or not to see necessarily, but just to be aware of and to conform our life to the fact that we are in a battle. And we need to be using our weapons, like you mentioned, the rosary, um, using our spiritual weapons to fight this battle and um, to bring as many souls with us to God, not just our own. Um, and, and so the way I see the rosary um, is we're calling down Mary's protection, not only on us, but on our loved ones, our family members, on the church, uh, both locally and, and worldwide, um, really just calling down her her very powerful protection uh another one of her titles is terror of demons right sure. so like it's a very good thing to call down her protection because she wants to help us in this battle and she has the ability to do so um because her you know jesus her son has given her that that grace uh to do that for for the whole church um and so it's just it's, it is very powerful uh to see her working in our lives on behalf of her son yeah i like that I have my, I suppose, one more, one more Mary story, and then we should talk about uh, what we can do and, and kind of our apostolate, specifically the chapters. But uh, my favorite, my favorite Mary story, what's helped me really, really understand her, is uh, so there's a saint in Italy called Saint Gemma Galgani. Uh, Saint Gemma was a mystic. There was a priest sent from the Vatican 
to uh, just to basically validate if she was uh, legitimate. So you have this mystic, people are coming to her, and, and the Vatican doing a good job wants to make sure there's not uh, an evil force at work here, or if she's faking it or things like that. They want to make sure uh, the flock is not misled, very, very prudent thing uh, for them to do. So this uh, priest comes over, um, and, and not long after he's there, St. Gemma uh, goes, in, goes into prayer, goes into ecstasy, uh, and, and the priest um, is allowed to hear the conversation she is having with Jesus. Um, and St. Gemma is pleading for the soul of, of a sinful man in the city. She's just asking, Lord, Lord, save him. Like, will, will you save him? And Jesus says, no, I will not. And she says, no, Lord, you can save him. You can save anybody. Please save him. Uh, and he says, no, I have sent him many graces. Uh, and he has rejected them all. I will not save him. And she, again, just very persistent. Please, Lord, save him, save him. Like anything, I will suffer anything if you will save his soul. Uh, and, and the Lord just says, no. He's like, I have, like, well, my, my mercy, I have given him many, many graces. Uh, and, and like, now it is time for my justice. And then St. Gemma pauses for a little bit uh, and then goes, oh, it's like, you cannot refuse a request of your mother. <laughs> and then the next thing the priest hears is, oh, he's saved, he's saved. And uh, a little while later, there's a knock at the door uh, in the center. I'd come to the house uh, and had heard that this, this priest was there who he wanted to, um, he wanted the priest to, to hear his confession. And I love that story. Absolutely love it. But it troubled me for a while. I was like, what the heck, Chris? Why is Jesus so obstinate? Why is he saying no? Um, that doesn't make any sense. But he said yes after he went to his mother. So did Mary convince him? No. Um, that, that doesn't fit the picture of our Lord and, and what we know uh, about, about God. Um, what's happening there is Jesus wants us to go through his mother. He wants us to go through her intercession. She is the mediatrix of all graces. God has ordained that she has a lot of power to dispense grace. Um, and I, I think that's so cool. So we got to pray the rosary every day, every day. Um, well, good. Well, Chris, what, what, what can we do about it? All we can do is pray, right? Shouldn't do anything else. Just pray. <laughs> <laughs> well, some people are called to that. <laughs> Whole lives in, in uh, dedication in monasteries and convents praying. Um, so prayer is very powerful. So don't discount that. But uh, and I know you don't. Um, no. So we can definitely pray. That's where we should always start and end is with prayer. Um, you know, whatever we are doing. Uh, but I think the the book soul of the apostolate really uh, provides kind of a, a nice uh, guide in that and like what we should do because we're each given different gifts and strengths um, to live out the calling that uh, God has given to us. Um, but in order to do that and to, and to respond to that really well, we have to start in prayer by listening to, you know, like what is God telling you and, and what are you going to do about it? Um, so sitting with that in prayer and then taking that into action and then bringing the action back into prayer and offering it back to God and then waiting to hear what he calls you to do next. Um, just 
kind of like that flow of prayer, action, prayer. Um, I think it's something that we really need to um, keep in mind and practice daily, just listening to what the what God is telling us and the ways we can act on that versus just, you know, um, turning into, well, what do I want to do about this? You know, how would I respond to this situation? Because we definitely don't want to do that um, because oftentimes we can just be reactionary or, you know, our impulses are not necessarily always good. So uh, we want to make sure it's all tempered with prayer. Right. Right. I like that. So <clears throat> you mentioned soul of the apostolate. Uh, this is episode one. Uh, hopefully more, there will be more. Uh, and, and, and we'll, we'll talk a lot about that book. Uh, but the whole premise is uh, one in, encouraging people on the path of the apostolate to uh, I mean, if, if we're at 3% of this country is Catholic, uh, I mean, Chris, you were with Focus for a while. Um, they, they certainly uh, capture a good uh, the good method of bringing to life uh, the call of the Great Commission, uh, but, but also the, avoiding the pitfalls of, of the apostolate, of the active life, of not being a contemplative Carmelite monk um, or, or, or nun in a monastery. The, the being in the active life it's it's easy to get led astray um but i think uh, it, and i think you and i have run into this before and would be curious to hear your thoughts especially uh just in light of what focus's approach would be to it but also how young adults can can respond to it i think a lot of people are unsure how to help others grow in the faith or when, when converts welcome new people into the church. Um, and, and one of the traps specifically, I think that makes that difficult is we want, we use the buzzword community. We need community. We want greater community. We want community. And, and there's a legitimate need behind that. Um, I think sometimes it, it turns into, we just want to create a social culture. Uh, and we don't have uh, the, the proper uh, primacy of spiritual growth and uh, just in a very tangible way in, in our young adult Catholic communities, or at least that, that's a trap that's very easy, easy to fall into. Um, what, what would you have to say to say in that regard? Well, uh, St. John Paul II actually has a quote in Christophidelis Lacey, um, or Lacey, where he talks about community and mission. And what he has to say about it is that they are, um, they're mutually implying. So when you speak about community, you're naturally implying mission. And when you speak about mission, you're naturally implying community. Um, and so what that really looks like then is, uh, to your point, Derek, you know, with there's, there's a buzzword at this point of community. Like, well, okay, we're going to start a young adult group. What do we do? Uh, put, it, put together a community. You know, what's our goal? Community. Um, right. What are, what are, what's the point of all, all of our events? Community. Community. And if you don't have a mission, and if you don't arouse mission, then you really don't have a community. You have uh, a get-together or a connect group. Um, and so within that, we have to be always mindful of what Christ has called us to do um, in Scripture uh, and, and how we are conforming our lives to Christ, uh, more to his character, 
into you know his competencies or like the way he does things um so for instance we want to be on mission because um and, and following christ because in scripture christ tells us you're my friends if you do what i command you so it's not just you are my friends it's you are my friends if you do what i command um and he calls us to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And he also calls us to go and make disciples of all nations. So really with by our baptism and, and even in, we see this in scripture there, we have these two calls on us on every single person who is baptized to um, be holy and to um, go on mission. So we have the universal call to holiness and universe, universal call to mission. Um, and so those are the ways that no matter what state of life you're in, you should always be actively living that out, um, in the way that your state of life implies. Yeah. I like that. I think the, <clears throat> I, I, I'm still going back to this 3% number of, of the U S population. I think what's been helpful about seeing that is our call. Uh, as you're talking, the call to holiness, the call to uh, fulfill the great commission. I think sometimes it's easy to sit back when it looks like, wow, there's so many people that are doing this. Uh, That's, that's not my job. That's not my call. Uh, I'm not supposed to jump on a podcast or I'm not supposed to try and win converts or I'm not supposed to do this. Uh, And the methodology can change. Um, but again, I mean, Chris, you and I talked about this. This is uh, what we really want to do is start a conversation about, Hey, these individual cities, what's going on. Uh, so we can look at 3% of the nation. That's really big. Uh, and I think a lot of times the temptation is to say, well, the culture and well, this and blah, blah, blah. But when you take it to an individual level, so you, you live in, Ann Arbor now. I'm in Grand Forks, North Dakota. Grand Forks, Chris, has about 60,000 people. Uh, I promise you the stats are better than 3% of Grand Forks. <laughs> but if, if, if we do 3% of Grand Forks, uh, we've got less than 2,000 people in Grand Forks that go to Mass weekly, or are Catholic, go to Mass weekly, and believe in the true presence. So when we look at our call to holiness, uh, but more specifically the call uh, for mission to fulfill the great commission. Well, there's not a lot of people. <laughs> the, the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few, right? In the words of our Lord. Uh, yeah. And so I think seeing those things really adds some weight to that. Uh, and I think those are good things to, to let motivate us to devote ourselves more to uh, to going out on mission uh, and, and less to thinking about, I need community. I need community. Well, look at the current state of things. We, we gotta, we gotta change our mindset a little bit, I think. Um, so Chris, are there any other traps we should, we should talk about in the active life in the apostolate? Yeah. I mean, I think it comes back to the basic things, um, if we are relying on ourselves, if we are um, not constantly 
allowing ourselves to be filled up and becoming more docile to the work that the Lord wants to do in us. Um, so like daily mental prayer, daily rosary, um, like those are, those are key. Um, it's just because in the active life, it's easy to get caught up in what we want to do or, uh, what we think is best right now or what must be done right now versus, you know, so our time versus God time. Um, and so we just want to be mindful of that. And, and if we are constantly daily going back to mental prayer, just spending time, um, you know, uh, letting our mind dwell on the things of God or, or things of, of um, his truth. So like scripture, holy, you know, holy spiritual reading, uh, things of that nature, then we can allow ourselves to be more docile to hear the word of the, uh, to hear God speak to us, whether through, whether it's through scripture, um, sometimes it's through other people, but definitely having a spiritual director would be a good thing. Not everyone can um, just because of the nature of trying to find a, a good priest to go to, but that's definitely recommended. Um, but yeah, keeping daily rosary mental prayers as kind of your anchor uh, of the anchor life, of the active life is very key. Very cool. Very cool. Well, Chris, let's do this. We got a few minutes left here from the amount of time we wanted to spend today. Uh, obviously, we're going to post this for people to see. This is the first one. Uh, we touched pretty high level on a lot of things today. Um, but what do you think about an invitation to people um, for, for suggestions? What, what do we want to talk about? What should we be talking about? Um, the, I can start first and I'd be, be curious if you have any, any invitations for, for any listeners as well. Um, if you are someone who listened to what happened in Pennsylvania and McCarrick and Vigano and didn't have anybody to talk to about that, let us know, uh, what, what are you struggling with? If you're stuck, if you are trying to figure out where is all this coming from? Why? Um, or should we talk about it? Uh, let us know. Like, what, what, can we, what can we talk about here? This is a, uh, a journey I think we're all on. It's a, a tough time. Um, but I think silence is not the answer on these things. Um, but also, if you're, if you're in a city, if you're in an ID916 chapter, if you're in a city with Catholic Beer Club, and you're somebody saying, I want community, I need community, uh, I, I think at the heart of that, it's I want intimate friendships i want intimacy in my prayer life um that was my my personal experience finding those things saying community and realizing uh several years ago it was both of those things in reality if that's you uh what are you struggling with what's going on in your city uh and and perhaps chris and i chris and i can help um or, or at least start a conversation on that and, and maybe there's others out there that uh, have found the solution. Uh, I think that's that's the real end game here. Chris, would you have anything to add? Any other invitations to to certain folks out there uh, to maybe provide some inf inspiration for for topics of future episodes? No, I, I think that pretty much sums it up. Uh, we definitely want to hear from the people that have, you know, um, anything to say on this topic, like to weigh in to to even be able to share or kind of inspire further conversations on, um, you know, how, how your spiritual lives or how your faith life has really 
changed, uh, if it has at all, whatever, um, how it's changed after, you know, all this corruption and scandal and um, just kind of starting a conversation around that. Well, good deal. Um, we'll certainly appreciate any listeners. Uh, this will be on, on Facebook uh, and a few other places. Give us a like. Catholic Beer Club. Go like ID916. Give us a share. Uh, and, and, and tell your friends. Pass it around if you, if you think it's worthwhile. And, and leave us a comment below um, on, on the Facebook page. If you've got anything to want to share, we'll be, we'll be watching and, and responding. Uh, but with that, we'll, we'll sign off here. Chris, do you want to close us in a, in a prayer? Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill us with your presence, Lord. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Fill our minds and our hearts. We just ask you, Lord, in this time of um, confusion, in this time of um, needing to look to you in every moment, to be guided by you, um, to be held up by you, to be strengthened by you. We ask that you would continue to bless us. We thank you for all the ways you have blessed us, all the graces you've given to us, um, and ask that you would just continue to remain with us, continue to inspire us to the action that you have planned for us, that you desire us to take today to bring more glory to your kingdom, to... um, make us holier and and therefore draw us closer to yourself, uh, closer relationship to you. We, we love you, Lord. We offer everything that we do to you and for your glory. We ask for um, complete protection by your sacred heart. And um, we just ask all of this through the intercession of Mary and her immaculate heart, as we say, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Holy Spirit, amen. Chris, thank you. Until next time, signing off. Sounds good. All right, talk to you later.